Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. And today I'm going to look about fascism in Britain in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War and how the fascist leader Oswald Mosley tried to continue with a variant of the uh, extreme right-wing politics that he had um, tried to build in Britain in the 1930s with the British Union of Fascists. The thing about fascism in the 1930s is that increasingly came to be seen as a foreign and an alien creed, uh, an entirely un-British notion. Um, the Second World War cements that, and it made anti-fascism a key part of Britishness, um, and it reinforced central aspects of that. Uh, Dunkirk, uh, the Blitz and the Battle of Britain all um, coalesced to create um, a, a sort of an underdog, a, a battling underdog identity uh, in Britain um, and the uh, notion that um, fascism, Nazism, was the creed of the uh, the, the bully and, and the thug, and the outcome of the war, um, the discovery of the crimes of the Nazis, uh, helped to vindicate, really, uh, the war itself and the struggle against fascism, even though that was quite a murky affair on Britain's part in, in a number of, of key regards. Um, the idea of Britain standing alone, even though Britain didn't stand alone, with uh, it had an entire empire behind it, um, and the selective uh, memory of the war that really it was in, in British eyes in the 50s a, a British victory. There's a really interesting part of Tony Judd's recollections in his book of essays, Thinking of the 20th Century with Timothy Snyder, where he said that uh, young boys in the 1950s when he was growing up, their war, um, the war they heard about, was the war of uh, uh, of, of bombing Germany and uh, being with with Monty in the desert, um, 
And so the idea that um, fascism was uh, an integral part of uh, British uh, politics or culture or national life was really quite alien uh, after the war. And probably during the 1930s, um, if you read Richard Overy's Morbid Age, he, he makes the point that um, fascism, the struggle against fascism, uh, was seen by many British people and many commentators as really, really a struggle of civilization uh, against barbarism. So the, the thing that um, Roger Eatwell uh, points out in his brilliant book Fascism, A, a History, uh, was that while Britain was never occupied, there were myths of anti-fascist resistance, um, just as these had existed in uh, France and Italy after the war. He writes, The Second World War strengthened British self-images of decency and tolerance. It also laid down an agenda of social reform for propaganda, uh, had told the British people that they were fighting not simply to defeat the Nazis, but to create a new Britain. Remarkably little was made of Nazi atrocities, even in the closing stages of the war. These were, ma uh, these were major factors in the landslide victory of the Labour Party in the general election which followed shortly after the victory in Europe. Although Winston Churchill had been considered a great wartime leader, British suspicion of demagogic worship, uh, leadership counted against him in 1945, and con the Conservatives went down to a surprise electoral defeat. Six years of Labour government followed, marked by full employment and a historic programme of social reform. He goes on to discuss the uh, fate of the post-war fate of Oswald Mosley and his wife, uh, Lady Diana Mosley, formerly uh, Lady Diana Mitford. Um, the fact that the leader of the interwar British Union of Fascists, Sir Oswald Mosley, um, planned a comeback in such hostile in such a hostile climate reveals much about the man. So it would be reasonable to have imagined that Mosley would have disappeared into uh, the back pages of history, would have realised that globally the cause he had struggled for had been uh, absolutely destroyed. Um, and that's not what happened. There were plenty of people in the European uh, fascist internationale in the late 1940s, early 1950s, who, whilst there was almost no chance of any kind of uh, political resurrection for them, still believed that there was some kind of future for their ideas. Um, when Mosley, who had been released from internment in 1943, um, after the war, was convinced that fascist ideology would still have a role to pay, play in the future, particularly in Britain's reduced circumstances. Um, government restrictions meant that he had to wait till the end of the war before he could take uh, any steps to relaunch his, his career. He went into publishing uh, initially and organised a book club to keep contact with his old supporters. So the first stage of things for Mosley was about re connecting with people who had once supported him, many of whom who had abandoned him, many of whom who had um, realised the game was up for fascism. Um, in 1947, he became certain that some kind of new fascist order would be possible. You have to bear in mind, factor into all Mosley's thinking, that the British Union of Fascists had in no way been as successful as any of the European fascist parties anyway. 
But 1947 is an important year. 1947 is the year of the great um, of the beginnings of labour austerity after the war. Um, it is the year in which the um, uh, pound becomes fully convertible, and there is a run on the pound uh, and an, an economic slump, um, the likes of which uh, Britain hadn't seen since uh, the early 1930s. There was a shortage of foreign currency, which uh, saw bread rationed. Bread hadn't even been rationed uh, during uh, the war. Um, there had been, uh, there was a uh, an banning of um, imports of supposed luxury foods like tinned fruit to prevent any outflows of capital from the country, and this meant that, uh, as far as Mosley was concerned, the Labour Party, of which he had been a member in the uh, late 1920s was in terminal crisis and a Labour government would fail to really create the post-war world that Britain uh, wanted to see. Um, Mosley uh, believed um, that this crisis had only been avoided by the war anyway. I mean, he was he's wrong in thinking that because much of the crisis was created by um, the a new tranche of, of war debts. But he thought that only um, rearmament and war had managed to stave off Britain's economic problems. In 1947, that he thought that a further economic crisis was on the way. And so he created in 1948 an organisation called the Union Movement, which was um, a, the rump, really, of the British Union of Fascists. There were 8,000 or so uh, members who um, were concentrated mainly in former areas of British Union of Fascist uh, control, such as the, the East End of London, where um, economic deprivation, poverty, and, the, and a kind of a Victorian anti-Semitism, which had been partly the product of uh, resentments fostered against Jews who'd come from Poland and Russia in the late 19th century, uh, emerged. During the um, emergency in Palestine, the 1945-48 guerrilla war that uh, Zionist guerrilla fighters fought against the British, um, there was an upsurge in anti-Semitism in certain parts of Britain, particularly the, the east end of London. Um, but even in this movement, in this, in this uh, climate, the union movement wasn't really able to capitalise on anti-Semitism and to a attract um, new members. Um, Mosley was seen by other anti-Semites in Britain who were keeping a low profile as being um, a liability, as being yesterday's man, as being a failure uh, in a way. He was a very difficult man to uh, get along with, even in extreme uh, right-wing circles. The same sorts of political skills of cooperation and negotiation have to be present in order for organisations to coalesce. Um, he was a, a loner, a bitter, resentful man, um, and he 
he came out of internment with a sense of his own kind of messianic status, his own um, persecution complex, um, and believing, as so many of these circumstances do, that he was suffering for some greater purpose. Um, his supporters were royal, were loyal to him, kind of yes men, but unable to um, force Mosley to consider um, what he did. Um, his most close henchman, Geoffrey Ham, who was a, a Welsh schoolmaster, um, had been one of the kind of the key street uh, activists for the British Union of Fascists, and had uh, fought street battles with uh, Jewish and socialist um, uh, anti-fascist protesters during the nineteen thirties, um, and he was uh, one of the people who would emerge to try to kind of revive fascism in the, the post-war era. However, the difficulty was this. The street politics of the union movement made it impossible for Mosley to kind of reinvent himself, which was one of his key goals, to try to slightly distance himself from the British Union of Fascists and to present himself as a more uh, a more moderate, respectable character. It's just um, a, a something that the uh, various fascist movements try to do periodically, with normally with limited degrees of success. The fifties in the fifties, Ham uh, moved to Ireland um, and he abandoned politics briefly to try to write a cultural journal. Uh, and attracted uh, kind of fascist fellow travellers such as Ezra Pound. But his links to um, Mosleyite uh, politics meant that uh, it was unlikely to be taken seriously or embraced by um, anybody um, uh, from sort of Britain's intellectual classes. Um, Mosley, of course, was trapped by his own uh, ideology. 
um, and fascist ideology is very much an activist ideology of action speaking louder, words of struggle, combat, battle, fighting, and constantly uh, advancing this sort of manic dynamism which devours the idea from, from within. Um, he uh, perceived the growing importance of the media in his political campaigning, um, but was able to access less and less of it as TV cameras um, in the 1950s particularly were not really looking to uh, record what he was saying and radio before that. Um, after 1945, his only hope was to try to remain as a, a figure who existed above uh, the day-to-day cut-and-thrusted politics and present himself as a, a public intellectual, as uh, Roger E. Roberts, as a philosopher king. Um, he was a very widely read man, very educated, um, and in 1945, uh, his, after 1945, his writings... Um, constitute uh, a significant part of fascist thinking in the in the English language. Um, of course, Mosley wasn't a an original thinker. Um, many of his ideas uh, can be retraced back to uh, Gabriel D'Annunzio, can be traced back to French uh, fascists, um, and much of it is kind of uh, clumsily ill thought out. Now, much fascism is clumsy and ill-thought-out. There are um, some obviously very few fascist programmes that are kind of refined in any sort of logic, and the vast majority of them are sort of um, clumsy, ham-fisted attempts to make sense of an increasingly complex world by retreating into the past. So the fact that Mosley, in the kind of the grand scheme of things, is seen as kind of one of the weaker fascist thinkers, really tells you something about the man. In 1946, he wrote a book called My Answer, um, and this um, was a way of trying to defend the BUF and to uh, look at the uh, story of the British Union of Fascists and try to rewrite it. And it was also to present Mosley, this is another key part of, uh, of of kind of fascist discourse, to present Mosley as a victim, uh, a victim of internment, presenting him as somebody who had, who had suffered terribly uh, during the war uh, and that he had been a true patriot. Um, he He noted that uh, those who had admired the Soviet Union were not considered traitors, um, but weakened um, the force of his argument um, by presenting um, the recently departed fascist leaders, Hitler and Mussolini, um, as being kind of entirely benign figures. That if Hitler, he said, had resigned or been killed in 1939 or 1940, he would have been remembered as a, as a great leader. Um, Mosley was able to, or attempted to defend fascism, um, and his defence was more than just an attempt to justify his pre-war policies. It reflected uh, a fundamental uh, philosophical continuity in his post-war thought. Um, In particular, there was a strong emphasis on uh, leadership and will. These were key aspects of uh, all uh, European fascisms. 
um, and the idea that society, particularly post-war materialist capitalist society, um, would continue um, to uh, degrade and there would be uh, a search for some kind of movement which could uh, speak to men's souls, men's psyches, beyond that of the material or simply the Marxist collective. He argued that um, fascism between the wars had been uh, too much on the side of nationalism. It's hard to imagine a, an, an, a, a nationalistic fascism uh, one that uh, doesn't rely on uh, nationalist narratives to kind of sustain itself. Um, he said that national economies, um, particularly European national economies, were too small in a world dominated by two superpowers, and a greater Europe was necessary. Um, he was like, uh, there were a number of um, probably very unworkable schemes, and you can read about these in Martin Thomas's uh, brilliant book, Fight or Flight, um, about the possibility of creating an, an Anglo-French imperium uh, in uh, Africa and, and the Middle East uh, that would retain much of what had been gained by Europe in the 19th century. And um, this would be um, a part of a kind of some sort of European system. Europeanism uh, as a, a, a notion, a kind of a, a fascistic, uh, racially uh, purified Europe, had been a, a key part of much fascist thought. The, the Nazis believed uh, when they were invading Russia that they were doing it's not just on Germany but on all of Christian Europe's part. It's some sort of notion of an, an anti-communist, anti-Slavic, anti-Jewish crusade. A uh, Europe is a third force in world politics. However, during the period of the Cold War, was in, entirely unworkable. Uh, Mosley hoped that other European fascists would embrace this and would um, manage to find some way of, of building a, um, a a Europe that was uh, neither Soviet nor American. However, this was there was almost no chance of this happening uh, when two um, rival superpowers divided the continent between them. Um, and he held, uh, there was a summit uh, on the Third Force Europe held in Venice in 1962. The Mosley saw uh, full integration um, of European nations, uh, not just a um, federal superstate, but um, a, a vision that would be so great that it would almost be overwhelming for other fascist groups to embrace. Um, the thing is, it's largely these sorts of things are largely unattractive to various national fascisms because um, their whole um, their whole ideological expression is one based in national identity, not transnational or supranational identity. Mosley's views. And here I quote from uh, Roger E. Well, most of these views differed notably from those of most activists in the union movement. These were men who were nothing if not rabid nationalists, um, who knew that uh, wogs started at Dover. Mosley tried to get round this problem by operating a dual strategy. He quoted the mantle of the responsible thinker, 
while these lower-level activists pandered to the lowest common denominator of street racism. But in such a leader-oriented movement, it was difficult to separate the leader from popular concerns, and Mosley, always the activist, magnet- was magnetically drawn back to the crowd. Um, so during the 1950s, by the late 50s anyway, Mosley thought that he had found the issue that would bring him back to uh, centre stage. Uh, and that was, of course, non-white immigration into Britain. In 1945, Britain was um, almost exclusively um, an ethnically white country, um, if you ignore places like Cardiff, Bristol and Liverpool. And, of course, the massive, massive desire for labour and few immigration controls saw a huge surge of immigration um, the after 1947, this becomes uh, dramatically increased. Um, by 1955, there are 20,000 immigrants uh, coming into Britain uh, each year, uh, mainly from the West Indies. And by the 1960s, this had risen to uh, almost 60,000. And this was uh, based on a fantasy that they had been told, one of British tolerance, fair play, and acceptance. Uh, British uh, middle class and working class communities um, were uh, almost exclusively uh, either indifferent to or hostile to uh, the new immigration. Um, A poll in 1948 found that uh, by a a white British people um, found a widespread belief that Coloured, in inverted comma, people were characterised by headhunting, black magic, polygamy and enormous sexual appetites. Um, These views didn't automatically translate into organised political action against immigrants. But during 1954-55, leaders of the Conservative government considered making opposition to significant further immigration a major plank in their next uh, general election programme. So Mosley wasn't able to penetrate... Um, the uh, the world of um, high politics ever again, but he was able to push the issue of race. After nineteen fifty, after the uh, nineteen fifty eight race riots in uh, London's Notting Hill, Mosley stood for Parliament. He stood for Parliament in the nineteen fifty nine general election, and the campaign was based on uh, what Etwell refers to as the high and low road. Um, the split between Mosley's um, supposedly more acceptable face and uh, the street violence and intimidation and bullying of the union movement. Um, the high road talked of coloured repatriation, even offering loans to uh, the receiving uh, countries for economic development and long-term contracts to buy their produce. The low road wandered through the swamps of black crime, sexual innuendo and claims that immigrants uh, lived on pet food. Uh, Mosley's eldest son, Nicholas, strongly rebuked his father over this, later noting that the right hand dealt with great ideas, but the left let rats out of the sewer. Despite whatever uh, racial attitudes there were in Britain in 1959, Mosley gained only 8.1% of the vote. He lost his electoral deposit for the first time in his career. Um, he still believed immigration was going to transform British politics, and to some extent it did, except he was not going to be the person 
to uh, ride the uh, ride racial division uh, back to power. Um, the in the early sixties, um, Mosley's union movement slumped to about five thousand members, and in the nineteen sixty six general election, Mosley stood again, meeting with even less success than he did in nineteen fifty nine. Anyway, I hope you found that useful, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks very much for listening. All the best. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.